As you know, this is the second week of our series that we kicked off last Sunday called Legacy, called Legacy. And last Sunday, I had a really good friend of mine, Pastor Lee Domain, come and he shared the, the kickoff to this collection of conversations on this idea of legacy. And he gave us something to chew on. Now, I'm going to show you this, and then you're going to pray for me. Here's, what, here's the question that he presented to kick off this whole series. He said this, am, am I creating a dynasty or am I creating a legacy? That, that really challenged me. He, he taught us that, that dynasty is always about me. Somebody say me. So, so if that's the case, then that means that creating a dynasty is very selfish. It's always about us, what we can accomplish, what we can obtain, what, what achievement, achievements we can uh, successfully walk into. So a dynasty is always about me, and it's very self, selfish. But a legacy is about we. It's, it's about us. And so the opposite of selfish would be selfless. And someone that has a desire to, to leave a legacy recognizes that it's not about us. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that, that our life is not our own. That God gives us an opportunity to leave this legacy for generations to come. And I can't wait to share with you the word that God has put on my heart. So I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Can you do that? Both campuses, if you're comfortable, would you stretch your hands right here towards me? And I just want you to pray a prayer. Lord, here's my prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You put this word in my heart, and I believe that people will leave here today. They'll leave here over the course of this series with a different perspective of their life and the reason that they live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for that. I want you to see something in, in Psalm 112, verse number 6. Uh, this particular verse of Scripture in the Bible ha has really challenged me. Uh, it's really kind of convicted my heart as the Lord has been dealing with me and teaching me about the difference between dynasty and legacy. The Bible says in Psalm 112, verse number 6, that a righteous man... A righteous man. Let, let's, let's pause right there for just a moment. Now, you see the, the, the remainder of this scripture and how it plays out. But, but I want you to understand the, the, the definition of a righteous man. Or a righteous woman. A righteous person. This, this description does not mean that in order to be considered righteous, you have to be perfect. Anybody going to say anything? Okay, thank you. It does not mean that you, you have to be, that you have to be holy. A righteous man, a righteous woman, a righteous person simply means that they are headed in the right direction. That they realize that the God that is right can take all of our wrong and make it right. Come on, I'm preaching about a hundred times better than you're preaching back and that's okay. So a righteous person is not a person that is perfect or a person that is holy or a person that has it all together. It's a person that realizes that I need to head in the right direction, that with God, he can make my wrongs right. It's that type of person that will be remembered forever. Can I tell you, if you're taking notes, I want you to, I want you to feel this thought. 
The goal of righteous living is to live your life in such a way that the generation after you talks about the impact that you made on them. That, that is the goal of righteous living. That the generations that are to come, they will talk about you because of the impact that you made on them. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the goal of every mother and every father. It's, it's the goal of every teacher and of every coach to make such an impact on those that they're responsible for that they would be remembered forever. Now, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page, and this is important. When I talk about being remembered forever, this is not about fame. This is not about notoriety. This is not about popularity. It's, it's not even about wealth or money or achievements or investments. No, Whenever I think about a righteous person and them being remembered forever, I think about my nana. I think about my, my grandmother on my mom's side, so my mom's mom. Uh, I, I, was, I was a kid when my nana passed away. She had the onset of Alzheimer's, and that disease progressed quickly, and, and within a short period of time, she was gone. One thing about my Nana, and of course you, you never met her and, and until we get to heaven, that will be the only time you get to see her. One thing about my Nana, though, is that she didn't have much money. She didn't have much money. I don't, I don't ever remember her having much money. As a matter of fact, anytime I got to spend time at my Nana's house, and I'm talking I'm four, five, six years of age with this particular memory, and I wanted a snack, my Nana would combine applesauce and cottage cheese. How's that sound? I, I loved it, though, because Nana made it. And the thing about my Nana is she was a righteous woman. She was a woman filled with God and filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the power of God. And, and there, there are things that we do today in our family, in the worldly household, that we do because I remembered them and the way that my Nana taught them to us. There are traditions that we have kept over generations because of my Nana and her commitment. Not about notoriety. Nobody knew her. She wasn't signing autographs. She wasn't in, in, in her name on the headlines of newspapers. She wasn't elected into any office. But you know what? She made a difference in the lives of people. My mom was reminding me this week that when my mother was growing up, she couldn't remember one Thanksgiving that her mom, my Nana, didn't invite somebody that they did not know over to Thanksgiving dinner. A family that needed something that they couldn't get on their own. So my Nana always opened up her doors to those that were less fortunate. That, that's... That's the type of legacy that I'm talking about. Not one of notoriety, not one of wealth, not one of fame. As a matter of fact, if I could summarize what I've learned from my Nana. And, and here I am with two kids of my own, a family of my own. My Nana always taught us this. The ultimate goal is not to live here on earth forever. Come on, this world is not our home. This, this life that we live is very temporary. So, so the ultimate goal is not to live here on earth forever. The ultimate goal is to leave behind something that does. Come on, give me an amen right there. Come on. It's not about living forever. It's about taking advantage of the time that we're giving so that we can leave behind something that does. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how we're remembered forever. 
that we leave something that remains, something that goes on and on and on. That is a legacy. I think some, some of you need to hear this because society and culture will go against the phrase that I'm about to say, but when you compare what they say to God's word, you see the truth. And this is the truth. The value of your life is never determined by how much money you make. The value of your life is never determined by how much success you have or achieve or how many awards you accumulate. The value of your life is determined by what you leave behind. What you leave when this life is over. That, that is actually the driving thought of this whole series. It's the driving conversation of the whole idea of doing a, a collection of conversations around the idea of legacy. This is, the, this is the question. When your life is over, what will you have left behind? Yeah, I, don't, I don't mean this in a creepy way or in a, uh, a way to, to create any type of fear inside of you. But we are all going to die. Happy Sunday. I mean, let's be honest. Unless Jesus comes back, and, and, I, and I, come Lord quickly, come on now. Uh, the more I watch the news, the faster I want Jesus to come back, right? But unless Jesus comes back, listen to me, we, we are all going to perish. We are all going to die. Even these people that, that go out to Phoenix Arizona and pay $200,000 to freeze their body or $80,000 to freeze their head. Can I tell you something? They dead. Like that's it. Because the goal is not to live forever. The goal is to leave behind something that does live forever. And, and you need to know this. And, and this is why I ask you to pray for me because I feel like I feel like you, you need to hear this word because for many of us, we're simply going through the motions of living every day, the monotonous motions of getting up on Monday, the same old routine, day in, day out, and listen to me, time is moving fast. It's flying by. And, and this thought came into my spirit, you only get one life, one life. To leave a legacy, that's it. And watch this. When you breathe your last breath and your life is over and it is no more. Listen to me. There are no redos. Hear me. There are no rewinds. There are no replays. And I don't want to offend anybody, but you need to hear to know the truth right here. And I'm going to tell you, there is no reincarnation. You don't come back as some animal or some plant. You don't come back as a cow or a tulip, baby. That ain't how this works. And if you want to know what kind of church this is, I'm going to tell you. We don't believe in the reincarnation. We believe in the resurrection. Come on. That God can bring dead things to life. Come on. I'm preaching now. You, you, don't, get, you don't get another chance. That you get an eternal life. And where you spend that eternity is up to you. But on this earth, you only get one life. And if you live to be the average age of 75, let's use 75 for example, you get what, 40 million minutes? That's it. It's why James says, life is but a midst, it's here today. And 
It's gone. You get 40 million minutes. What are you going to do with those minutes? How, how will you spend those minutes? How, how do you invest those minutes? Because when those minutes are used up, you don't get any more minutes. Not here on this earth. I've been chewing on this for a while, for months, this thought. The, the, this idea that we got 40 million minutes is, is the primary reason that Kimberly and I, we left the safety of South Metro uh, five-ish years ago to move to Maryland to establish a, a church called Go Church. Because I didn't want to live my life with regret. It's the primary reason that I only get one life to leave a legacy. And I'm not talking about dynasty. I'm not trying to create my own platform or push my own agenda. It's the realization that God has called all of us, and I'll get there in a minute, to do something significant for the kingdom of God. This idea I've got one life to leave a legacy is why we left Maryland to come back to Atlanta to turn Go Church in South Metro into a multi-site, multi-state, multi-nation movement. Because I've only got... 40 million minutes. And I refuse at the end of my life to look back over my life and regret not making decisions that I knew the Lord said to make. If you remember some months ago, six or seven months ago, last summer, our church, both campuses, we, we did a series on the book of Ephesians. I don't know if you remember that or not. I was, uh, we took every chapter in the book of Ephesians, we broke it down week by week, and we assigned a different pastor on staff to share about that particular topic for the day, and, and so uh, I was assigned week number four, which just so happened to coincide with chapter number four. And, and six or seven months ago, I, I read verse number one of Ephesians four, and, and it was as if somebody just slapped me across the face. With this wake up, as I looked at my life. Now, if you want to hear more about that, you can go download the podcast or watch the replay. Because I talk a lot about Ephesians 4 verse 1. But I want to remind you of what it says. This is what it reads. The Apostle Paul says to the church at Ephesus, and then here we are thousands of years later. He says, I urge you, I implore you, I, I beg of you. To live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I'm asking of you, he says, to live your life. Another translation says, to walk worthy. I want you to lean in for a minute. Can you do that? Listen to me. Every single one of you on this day, uh, February 17th, 2019. Now, if you watch this message at a later time or you watch the replay, you have to insert whatever day it is that you're watching this. But, but to put it into context, today is Sunday, February 17, 2019. If you agree with that, say, I do. It's amazing that we can actually agree on something, isn't it? Take that, Republicans and Democrats. They'd argue over what day of the week it is, wouldn't they? Let me get back into my notes. On this day, February 17, 2019, or whatever day that you decide to watch this or get a chance to watch this, every one of you under the sound of my voice in this room at South Metro and that beautiful place at Go Church or online, there are two things that are factual. Two things that are factual. We agree on the date, but you also have to agree on these. You cannot argue these because they are absolute. Watch this. Number one, you are all alive. 
Some of you look like you're barely alive, but you are alive. I'm trying to help us with that. There, there, is, there is air in your lungs. There's blood in your veins. There's a beating heart in your chest. If you're alive, say, I'm alive. That's fact number one. So in this moment, on this day, we are all alive. Number two, the second fact is this. We all have a call. We all have a purpose. We all have a destiny. I don't care what anybody says to you. God does not make accidents. God had a purpose. He had a calling. So he created you for such a time as this. Now, now that you know that reality, that you're all alive and you all have a calling, you need to know something else. You are not here just to suck up air and take space. That's not why you're alive. You are not alive just to (gasps) breathe it in and breathe it out and get in the way of everybody else trying to get on the interstate and get wherever there is trying to go. No, 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 watch this. You are responsible You are responsible to live your life worthy of the calling that God has placed on you and over you. Watch this. I want you to see this. This verse right here, Ephesians 4 verse 1, will mess you up. It'll mess you up. I'm telling you. If you let this word get into your heart, it will mess you up. Can I be transparent? There are some Netflix shows that I used to love that I can no longer watch because of the conviction of God. Every time I turn it on, he says, is that worthy of the call on your life? Come on, God. Man. This is just me. It's just me. But I'm telling you, you let this get in your heart, it will mess you up. It'll mess you up with your habits. It'll mess you up with your behaviors. I'm telling you, it'll mess you up with some friendships. It'll mess you up with relationships because you know you shouldn't be in that relationship. And when you recognize that there's a responsibility to live a life worthy of the calling of God that is on your life, you will break up with him. You will break up with her. Nobody's going to help me right there. Watch, all of a sudden things begin to change. It'll change your perspective with investments and with business deals. It'll change your perspective on how you should treat your employees or how you should treat your boss because now all of a sudden we recognize I'm alive, there's a call, and my responsibility is to live a life worthy of it. There, I'll tell you this, and i got to move because i got a lot to cover. There is one comedian that I absolutely love. I love him. The guy is hilarious. I can't watch him anymore. I've tried. I've tried to go back and and watch it and think, well, it's okay. And every time I watch it and begin to watch it, I hear the Holy Spirit say, are you walking worthy? I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. So don't send me that email. That's not the point of what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is this, is that this life is the only earthly life that you get. And are you living this life, those 40 million minutes, worthy of your calling? Let me me keep it personal. This is the thought the Lord dropped in my spirit. I have pastored from a place of survival. And I have pastored from a place of success. This month, February 2019, will mark 18 years that I've been in full-time pastoral ministry. 
18 years. I, I've worked at small churches. I've, I've worked at large churches. We planted a church. Uh, we, we came and took over a beautiful church. I, I've been on all ends of the spectrum. I've been on, on levels of survival, and I've been on levels of success. I remember the days when there was no money, there was no staff, there were no people, and we just believed God that somebody would show up and hear me yell at them. I remember those days where we didn't know how we would pay the light bills for the church and how we would pay the light bills for our own life. I remember the days of just surviving. And now I'm living in days of success. I don't deserve any of this. None of it. That God would see favor on my life to allow us to pastor one church in multiple locations and we're dreaming of more. I know what it's like to live in seasons of survival and I know what it's like to live in seasons of success. And can I tell you that both of them fell in comparison because the ultimate desire of my life is to pastor from a place of significance. A place of significance. I want my life, I want my calling, I want my ministry to have meaning, to have purpose, to have worth. I, what, let me say it like this. I want what I do to make a difference far beyond my years on this earth. I want to walk worthy. I want to live worthy. And I want to make a significant impact while I'm breathing. Come on, give me a good amen right there. I got to do this quick. But let me show you something. When I was in college, uh, I took a, a psychology course. As a matter of fact, I took it three times. So I know what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> the, the first two times, it was just early, y'all. Come on, I'm telling you, it was early. I was in college. I was like, I'd get into it, and then right before the drop date, I'd drop the class. Anyway, pray for me. Um, I remember in college, though, the third time around, this, this thought really, really hit with me. They were introducing to us, some for the first time, others of us for the third time, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So in 1943, Abraham Maslow, he wrote this paper, this theory. He submitted this paper to the scientific journal on what he believed motivated people. So he writes out this whole theory. I'm going to show it to you as fast as I can. He writes this paper out on uh, why we do what we do, why we act the way that we act, why, what we are inherently striving for. And he shaped this theory in the position of a pyramid. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, the majority of us, right? If you don't, it's cool because I'm going to show it to you. And, and, and you're going to see what Maslow was saying, and I'll tie it in with what God is wanting to do. And he drew it out in the shape of a pyramid to suggest as if these, these needs or these motivators would climb on top of themselves. Now, originally, Abraham Maslow had five hierarchy of needs. Over time, they've evolved, and now we know that there is actually eight hierarchy of needs. It's the last one. The last one. That if you listen and you lean in, changes everything. You will no longer look at Monday, tomorrow, the same way you did last Monday. Because you recognize that when you come into relationship with God, He's always calling us to more. Come on, say amen right there. This is a great place to say amen. Watch this. Let me show you. It's the pyramid. The, the first one is the basic physical needs. Air, food, water, 
um, shelter, intimacy, sleep. Anybody love sleep? Come on now. If you ever catch me sleeping, don't wake me up. Kimberly, every time I'm taking a nap, Kimberly loves to do this. I'm an, I am napping. She'll tap me on the shoulder. Are you sleeping? Yes, I am sleeping. Maslow suggests that 98% of all people within the United States will meet this physical need. Now, that's certainly not the same percentage outside of the U.S., because we know that there is famine and starvation and disease, lack of infrastructure and homes. But he suggests to us that 98% of all Americans will experience the completion of the first level, the basic need of physical needs. The second one, and you can see it build, is that of safety needs. This is uh, protection, security, law, stability. It's why you lock your doors at night. It's why you set your alarm at night. It's why you put on your seatbelt before you get into the car. Listen, it's why you stay in that job that you don't really love. Because it's safe. Maslow says that 75% of people will accomplish this. The third one, and i got to move through these quickly, so you need to take pictures or write this down. Watch. The third one is love needs. This is family. It's affection. It's relationships. It's why people get into a club. It's why they join a fraternity or a sorority. It's why they join a small group. Come on now. It's why people go on dates and have a desire to get married. All the single people said. Some of y'all still heard about Valentine's. <laughs> Maslow says 50% of people will accomplish the love needs. Watch this. The fourth one is esteem needs. This is about achievement, status, responsibility, reputation. This, this esteem needs is the need to be recognized. It's our desire to be complimented. That's why, that's why when you get your hair did, ladies, and somebody compliments your hair, it makes you feel good. Because you're living on the esteem needs level. Isn't it interesting how different men and women are? I mean, ladies, you will spend however much time in front of a mirror getting ready. And all of us did that today, hopefully. Because we all had this desire for somebody to recognize us. And ladies, you'll spend however much time in front of the mirror, and you'll say, how do I look? Fellas, what do we do? We get all out of shape, fat and all that. We're like, hey, look at me now. Right, because that's how guys are, different than women. But all of us have this desire to be recognized. Now, you need to see this. These first four levels, Maslow called them the deficiency needs. Meaning these are areas that, if not careful, we stay deficient in. And here's the truth. And the statement I'm about to make isn't, isn't based off of my own uh, perception. The statement I'm about to make is based on scientifics and stats. The majority of people never get out of these four levels. They stay stuck right here. So they never get to experience the, the top half of the list, the best part of living because they're stuck on everything that they need. Now, let me tell you, as a church, we care about these needs. We've created ministry for these needs. And at the end of the day, when you come into relationship with God, he shall supply all of your needs. Come on, give me an amen right there. He's the answer. But most people can't ever get out of them. 
So here's my heart. Because the next four needs, Maslow calls the growth needs. The fifth one is this. It's cognitive needs. It's knowledge. It's meaning. It's self-awareness. It's the desire to understand things, to learn things. This is why we love books. It's why we love documentaries. It's why we love the Discovery Channel. It's why you love Fixer Upper. Come on now. Cognitive needs, it's about thinking and reasoning and understanding and, and learning and remembering. It's why I took that, that psychology course three times because I loved it so much. I wanted to know it all. No, I'm just kidding. Cognitive needs. Watch this. The sixth one is aesthetic needs. It's the desire to appreciate things that are beautiful. This is why we love to vacation at the beach. Come on now. Or the mountains. As a matter of fact, close your eyes, both campuses. Come on, close your eyes. Ima come on, close them. Some of you are cheating. Imagine you're at the beach right now. Come on. That was a seagull, y'all. Right? The waves are crashing. Come on, somebody. And it's translucent blue water. Come on now. And think about it. You're in your bathing suit, but you're in shape. Isn't that good? Do you see it? The sun is shining. The birds are singing. Look back. That's your own villa right there. You see your own little villa. They're serving you virgin strawberry daiquiris right now. In that, now look at me. You ain't there. <laughs> I just thought I'd make you feel good. It's why, it's why we love Instagram. Because we want to see the beautiful picture. It's why you mow your lawns or plant flowers. Because we have this desire for aesthetic needs. Come on, listen to this. Isn't this biblical? The desire to understand, the desire to see things that are beautiful? Now watch level seven. And at one point, this was the highest level that anybody could ever achieve. It's the level of self-actualization. This is about personal growth and about fulfillment. Let me say it like this. At this level, you discover about yourself. When you get here, you know the purpose of your life. Maslow says this, and you need to hear me, that only 2% of people will ever reach self-actualization. That you know why you're created. At this level, you strive for, for the best of things. Second place is never okay because you know that there's more. You know, at our church, you know what we call this? We don't call it self-actualization. We call it Christ-actualization because you and I are created in his image. And when we come into the understanding of why we were created and how we were created and how God wired us, we step into that calling and we realize that there's more. Listen to me. That's why we push move track. It's why we push move track. If you're new here, uh, move track is an opportunity for you to figure out self-actualization or Christ-actualization. We give you a spiritual gifts test. Uh, we, we give you a personality assessment to help you figure out why are you alive? Why are you breathing? Because certainly, and I don't know if this is speaking to anybody, but certainly there's more to living than just punching in and punching out of the clock at work. Move track happens the last Sunday of every month. That's next Sunday. If you want to get to this level, that's the best next step for you. Now watch the highest level. Are you ready? The highest level in Maslow's hierarchy of needs is transcendence needs. 
This is the ultimate level. And you may think, well, how do I know when I've arrived at the ultimate level? And watch this. Are you ready? This fires me up. Watch this. You know you've arrived when you're able to look beyond yourself. When all of a sudden the life you live is not about you, but about the people that God has connected you to. Watch this. Transcendence, the highest level of living, is when you take level number seven, self actualization or Christ actualization. You figure out why you are the way you are, how God wired you, your gifts, your talents, and your abilities, and then you use it to leave a legacy. You take level seven, you figure out why I am this way, and then you bless other people at this level. Let let me tell you this, and you'll see this, because this is the world we live in. We lack this hierarchy, because at this level, it's about compassion. It's about care, it's about sympathy, it's about helping other people, and it's never out of obligation. Now, I took that class three times, and I still didn't know what the word transcendent meant or means or transcendence, so I did what any smart person would do. I Googled it. (laughs) Take a picture of this, because I'm going to move fast. Transcendence. This This is Webster's Dictionary. You ready? Exceeding usual limits, surpassing, extending beyond the limits of ordinary experience, lying beyond the limits of ordinary experience, beyond comprehension. Does that not sound like a Bible verse? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, Watch this, that we might ask or think or imagine. What? This is why I love the name Go Church so much. I mean this. Because God wants us to live our lives beyond limitations. He's calling us to go, to get out of those four needs that is all about us and to go to go places we never thought possible. And I'm not just talking about geographical places. I'm talking about going places in God that we never even knew existed. God doesn't want you stuck in those four needs. And I need to tell you, you need to know this. If you're looking for a play it safe kind of church, a go through the motions of Christianity kind of church, you won't like it here. You won't. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in in an affirming way. I don't have time to play it safe. Too many people are dying and going to hell. Listen, there are wonderful churches in Montgomery County and Coweta County. and, And I say this respectfully, but it's true. They play it safe. We're not playing it safe. We'll create ministries and opportunities to help you in those basic uh, deficiency needs because they're real. You have real needs, but God shall supply all of your needs. And this is my prayer. Watch this. This is my prayer for you. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. I want you to live. I want you to live. I want you to live and enjoy life. The Bible says, walk up the street to a life with meaning. This is my heart. Watch this. I've pastored from a place of survival. And I've pastored from a place of success. But my ultimate desire 
is to pastor from a place of significance. What about you? What about you? (laughs) Think about this. Parents, come on, parents, we have parented from a place of survival. Come on now. But we've also parented from a place of success. But isn't it our desire to parent from a place of significance? Teachers, you've taught from survival. For Coweta County teachers, you couldn't wait for this winter break. But you've also taught from places of success. But is it your ultimate desire to teach from a place of significance? Real estate agents, you've bought or sold from a place of survival. And you've bought or sold from places of success. Do you see it? Waiters, you've served chicken fingers from a place of survival. You have, because you got to pay the bills. But you've also served from a place of success. But what if everything you do means that you get to have a significant impact for the kingdom of God? Let me close with these few thoughts. You want to walk worthy of the calling on your life? You want to get out of the deficiency needs and get to the best part of the list? You want to move from survival and move from success to a place of significance? You want to be a difference maker? You want to be a legacy lever? You want to experience transcendence? Jesus gave us the answer. He did. He said it this way. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the the first and greatest, somebody say greatest, greatest commandment. Watch this. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. I got three responses and I'm done. Watch this. And they're all on the same screen. Love God, love others, and love life. This is how you leave a legacy that you love God passionately. Listen to me. Stop playing games. Stop playing games. Come on. Fall in love with God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with everything inside of you. Love God and then love others selfishly, putting the needs of other people before your own. And then watch this. And then love your life. Love your life. Because you know what? It's not perfect. Lean in for a second. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. But it's good. You have a good life. Because you have a good God. Who, with whatever problems that you're faced with, He allows us through His Holy Spirit to be more than conquerors. Listen to me. Stop playing the victim card and posture yourself as a victor. That if God be for me, who can be against me? What if, what if tomorrow, oh man, I wish I had more time, but I don't. What if tomorrow, instead of waking up in defeat, which some of you do every day, well, I don't have and I wish and it's not fair. I get that. I understand that. I've lived that in a season of survival. But if you desire to live your life in a season of significance, tomorrow you wake up and you say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I'll be glad and I'll rejoice in it no matter what comes my way. Listen to me, watch this. Don't let the enemy steal one more day 
not another day. Not another day. I felt really convicted on Valentine's. Not because I didn't treat Kimberly well. I did. I took her to dinner. We ate. We got flowers. I told her about our vacation at the end of the year because we're going to celebrate 15 years. I love it. And I, I like to look at Kimberly as like, she's like Google. Because she's everything I was searching for. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I felt conviction at the end of the night. We got home. The babysitter left. The kids were in bed. Kimberly and I, we were getting ready to doze off. And I thought, do I show her I love her every day like I did today? Or do I wait for scheduled holidays to remind her how good she is to me? Most of the time, and I think Kimberly does this too, but when everybody's asleep, I know it. She'll get out of bed and she'll go check on the kids and give them a kiss. And when everybody's asleep, I'll walk in and I'll do the same. Because I love my life with them. Listen to me. And they are my legacy. So I stopped complaining years ago about all the bad stuff that happened to me. And I realized that, you know what? What the devil meant for evil, God can make good. And so now, whew, now my life is about significance, not survival, not success. Am I walking worthy of the calling of God that's on my life? One more verse, you got time? Look at this, Acts 13. This got me this week. For when David, the man after God's own heart, had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. I have prayed this prayer so many times this week. I don't know how long I got. But when I walk worthy and I fulfill the call of God that's on my life, I just want to fall asleep. Let us plant as many churches as we can. Let us reach as many people for Jesus as we can. Let us help the hungry and the homeless and the less fortunate and those without. Let us stop complaining and arguing and bickering and fighting slamming doors and hating life. Let me love my life. Let me love it. And here's how you love it, because you love God and you love others. And God, let me, let me fulfill the purpose in my life. And then let me fall asleep. Let me fall asleep. And if you're there at my funeral, it's a party. Somebody write that down. It's a party. Because it's not a memorial service looking at all the things I regretted to do. It's a completion of a life well lived. And watch this. And I can stand before God. And he'll say to me, JC, well done. And then I'm going to show you this next week. And then he'll say, because works don't save you. Okay. But then he'll say, there are treasures that you've stored up over the life you lived on that earth. Come in and get them all.
I'm going I'm to show you that next week. You've got to be here next week. Take a minute. Here's the prayer. You ready? We did this last week. We'll do it next week too. What's the type of legacy that you want to leave?